Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. I dreamed a dream in time gone by And hope was high, life worth living I dreamed that love would never die I dreamed that God would be forgiving everybody. Merry Christmas, Nutley. Merry Christmas, New Brunswick. Welcome, Morristown. You look, well, you look miserable. Or as the French say, les miserables. Everything sounds so much better in French, doesn't it? Or as we say in New Jersey, less miserables. But tonight, Christmas, we are taking you to France. That's the setting of Victor Hugo's epic novel, widely considered one of the greatest works of 19th century literature, Les Miserables. And Hugo, you need to know, was a religious man. In fact, he was a Roman Catholic. And he wanted to tell a story about the grace of God, about redemption, about finding hope in hard times. And I think that's a story for this season we're in. We've had a challenging few weeks here on the East Coast, haven't we? Les Miserables translates to the miserable ones, the ones who suffer. And we have seen our share of suffering up close. From Hurricane Sandy that left so many families homeless in New York and New Jersey. To the tragedy in Connecticut which left all of us speechless. This Christmas serenity has mixed with suffering, joy mingled with mourning. And I think I speak for all of us. We all want to feel the Christmas spirit. But what do you do when you're confronted with the reality that this world is broken and evil is real, when sin and suffering seem so great that it's hard to find faith in the goodness of God. Well, that's exactly why Victor Hugo wrote Les Miserables in 1862. He looked at the world surrounding him, 19th century France, and he saw so much suffering on the streets of Paris. The working poor were without jobs, children starving, Women abandoned, families suffering, children begging like street urchins. And he said, where's God in all this pain and all this suffering? And that's the question asked by Jean Valjean, the hero of Hugo's novel. As the curtain opens, Valjean is miserable, 19 years in prison for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his sister's starving child. 
life was cruel. And Valjean knew misery firsthand. In prison, he didn't even have a name. He was simply a number. 24601. Bitter. Hardened. He left prison a changed man. Angry at God. And he carried with him a yellow paper. A parole paper branding him a convict for life. It meant no work. Nowhere to live. He committed a crime that could never be forgiven. At least that's how the story begins. With Valjean roaming the streets. Homeless. Hungry, an outcast, until he meets a Christian priest who offers him a warm bed and a hot meal. Valjean is grateful, but he has a strange way of showing it. In the middle of the night, as the priest sleeps, Valjean steals his silver. Another crime, but he's caught! red-handed by the police, and brought back to face his accuser. Now understand, at this moment, the priest could send Valjean back to prison with just a word. But instead, he gives him a gift. The silver is for you. It is God's gift to you. Use this to become an honest man. You are free. Valjean, wait. You've forgotten the most important part. The candlesticks. Come, they are for you. With this silver, I have bought your soul. Jean Valjean, my brother, I ransom you from fear and evil and hatred. And now I give you back to God. What have I done, sweet Jesus, what have I done? Become a thief in the night, become a dog on the run And have I fallen so far, and is the hour so late That nothing remains but the cry of my hate The cries in the dark that nobody hears Here where I stand at the turning of the years If there's another way to go I missed it twenty long years ago My life was a war that could never be won They gave me a number of murdered Valjean When they chained me and left me for dead just for stealing a mouthful of bread. Yet why did I allow that man to touch my soul and teach me love? He treated me like any other gave me his trust he calls me brother my life he claims for God above can such things be for I had come to hate this world this world that always hated me take an eye for an stone. This is all I 
have lived for. from him and I'd be back beneath the lash upon the rack instead he offers me my freedom I feel my shame inside me like a knife he told me that I have a soul how does he know Spirit comes to move my life. Is there another way to go? I am reaching, but I fall, and the night is closing in as I stare into the void of the whirlpool of my sin. I'll escape now from that world, from the world of Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean is nothing now. Another story must is powerful, isn't it? It opens up new possibilities. There's a reason we call grace amazing. In fact, that word grace we get from the ancient word charis, which means gift, charity, undeserved favor, a blessing from God. And that's exactly what the priest gives Valjean, something he doesn't deserve, his forgiveness, and then he stakes him his freedom. Grace, after all, is forgiving, is it not? Grace is forgiving. And it transforms Valjean. He never tasted grace in his life. Judgment, yes. Mercy, never. He sings, take an eye for an eye. Turn your heart into stone. That's all I have lived for. This is all I have known. Maybe that's all you have known. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That's how the world works on a principle of revenge, not redemption. There's a price to be paid when a crime is committed. But grace... Second chances? Whatever. No, grace says there's another way to operate and live in the world, and it's called love. It is about forgiving our enemies. It sees the sin, but then it offers something powerful in its place. Unconditional love, which softens the hardest of hearts. Valjean struggles inside. Why did I allow that man to touch my soul and teach me love? He treated me like any other. He gave me his trust. He called me brother. My life he claims for God above. He told me that I have a soul. What spirit came to move my life? Is there another way to go? You see, only grace, only grace has the power to light a new path for a man who's blind, for a man whose life is struggling in the darkness. Only the love of God can warm a soul and light a path and say, you have a second chance because I have forgiven you and I am staking you to a new future. Grace is forgiving and so is God. The Bible says, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in Christ Jesus shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send Jesus into the world to what? To condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the purpose of Christmas. Christmas, above all else, is forgiving. And God gave his son Jesus as a sacrifice for the world's sins, for your sin, for my sin. See, in God's eyes, there are no perfect people. You understand that? All of us are like Valjean. We stand condemned. Now, we may not wear a number, 24601, but we have our own labels. Oh, the guy in the third row has an addiction. He's an addict. (laughs) Well, she has an anger problem. Watch out for her. Or they had an affair in the back. She struggles with anxiety. She's sort of weak. Our flaws and our failures have a way of defining us like Valjean. Maybe you feel that way this season. You know, I want to welcome you to our church family because you will fit right in if you have flaws. If this is your first time in church you need, and you think you're surrounded by perfect people, you need to know something. You are surrounded in this room by some of the biggest sinners in the state. So keep your purse close. <laughs> keep hold on to your wallet, okay? <laughs> I love getting Christmas cards from people in this church, especially the ones that, you know, Humbly tout a family's accomplishments. You know, uh, you know, 2012 was a trying year for the Johnson family. It rained on our vacation to Bermuda. You know, pray for our son who just got into Harvard. Oh, whatever. Let me read you the best card I received. I just got this on Wednesday. It says this. Pastor Tim, thank you for all you do to spread Christ's message of love and hope through liquid. This church has had a profound effect on my walk with God And this is the cornerstone of my sobriety. This Christmas, I am 56 weeks sober and counting. Can we hear it? That's an incredible thing. That's an amazing achievement. What a gift at Christmas. And some of you are shocked. All the religious people are like, you let addicts in this church? Yes. And gossips and gluttons and sinners and thieves? Who did you think the church was for? See, the grace of God is only for those who are humble enough to admit their need. Listen to the rest of his card. He said, I want you to pray for my friend who is also in rehab. It's my hope she is another miracle in the making. As God does for me what I could not and cannot do for myself. Friends, that's what grace is. It's trusting God to do for you what you could never do for yourself. That's what Christmas is. At Christmas, we celebrate the gift of Jesus Christ, God's only son, who was born of a virgin, which is important because it means he led the only perfect life in human history. And on the cross, he died the perfect death that you and I deserved under God's wrath. He died in our place. And we believe that he rose again. And the reason he rose is so that he could offer forgiveness and freedom and a future in heaven to any man, woman, or child who is humble enough to ask. It is the only perfect world we will ever know. Jesus is forgiving. And if you put your faith in him, he will will change your life. Grace does. It, It transforms it. You get God's candlesticks, the silver. That's amazing grace. Here's an easy way to remember what grace is. Think of it this way. Grace is God's riches 
at Christ's expense. In other words, on the cross, Jesus takes our sin, but then we get God's silver, salvation. And if you're humble enough to receive his love, it will transform you. That's what happens to Valjean. Valjean is transformed by grace. Ransomed by its power, he becomes a force for good in a very dark world. Years later, Valjean acquires money and wealth, but he doesn't worship them as idols. He uses them to bless and help others in need. He, he helps les miserables, the miserable ones that he meets in the streets, like a struggling young mother named Fantine, who had a child out of wedlock. And now she's a single mom, abandoned and alone, with a simple dream of raising her daughter, Cosette. And yet reality crashes in. To provide food for her child, she's forced to cut her hair and sell her teeth just so they can eat. She is forced into prostitution. And that's how her dream became a nightmare. He 
took my childhood in his stride, but he was gone when autumn came. And still I dream he'll come to me, that we will live the years together. But there are dreams that cannot be. Maybe you're here today and you feel a little bit like Fontaine. Life has turned out differently than you expected. She sings, I had a dream my life would be so different from this hell I'm living. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. Maybe it's your marriage, family trouble, your kids. Maybe if we're honest, 2012 was a miserable year for you. You lost a job or a home or you struggled financially. You had a dream for how life would be, and it's turned out so different than what you're living this Christmas. Well, I am here to bring you good news tonight. Your heavenly Father has a dream. God has a dream that you would never feel alone again, but you would join his family forever. That's why he sent Jesus at Christmas, to be your Savior And Christ does not just forgive our sin. He heals our hurt and he redeems our pain. See, that's the second secret of Les Mis. Grace is not just forgiving. It's forgiving to others. Throughout the story, Valjean carries the candlesticks. They're a visual reminder to him of the radical grace that he was shown years before. His life becomes marked by grace. And as a result, he offers it freely to anybody he encounters who is in need. In an act of radical grace, Valjean rescues Fantine from her life of prostitution. He takes her from the streets to nurse her wounds. And when he learns of her orphan daughter, Cosette, he rescues her from child labor and adopts her as his very own daughter. See, that's what grace does. It sets the lonely in families And once you've experienced God's love and his compassion, his light has flooded your life, you can't help but offer it to others. The gospel writer John puts it this way. He writes, dear friends, since God so loved us, let's say it together. We also ought to love one another. That's God's dream for this broken world we live in. 
that you would first receive the grace of Jesus Christ for yourself, but then you would pass it on and lavish it on others in need. In a world so dark and full of fear, let me ask you this. Does God's grace illuminate your life? Do do people look at you and it's impacted you so deeply that your life just burns brightly with the light of God's love, especially in dark situations? I realize there isn't much hope to be found in the tragedy at Newtown, which claimed the lives of 26 women and children. It's a dark story. But I think I saw a glimmer of grace this past week. You may recognize the face of Emily Parker. She is the six-year-old angel, a little girl who looks like Cosette. Her father, Robbie, was the first parent to actually speak out on television. And in a stunning act of forgiveness, he offered prayers not just for the families of victims, but for the family of the shooter as well. So my name is Robbie Parker. My family is one of the families that lost a child yesterday in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shootings here in Connecticut. I've been contacted by so many people and agencies wanting to know how we're doing and I just thought that this might be the best way to to share those feelings with everybody. First of all, I'd really like to offer our deepest condolences to all the families who were directly affected by this shooting. It's a horrific tragedy, and we want everybody to know that our hearts and our prayers go out to them. This includes the family of the shooter. My daughter, Emily, would be one of the first ones to be standing and giving her love and support to all those victims, because that's the type of person that she is. Not because of any parenting that my wife and I could have done, but because those are the gifts that were given to her by her Heavenly Father. It's not natural. Grace is supernatural. It's extraordinary. Grace is forgiving our enemies. That is a forgiveness that is only possible through the grace of Jesus Christ. I mean, could you offer your child's killer the candlesticks? It's radical. It's inexplicable. And it's unexpected, guys. And this is the gospel in real life, my friends. Listen to me. There are no words that can heal the heartache and grief those parents in Connecticut are going through. But we know this. Our God weeps with them. Because only the Christian God knows what it's like to lose a child. That's why he sent Jesus. His son died for you. Because you are his child. You are his child. And your heavenly father, your heavenly father loves you this much. That's what the cross shows us, how much God loves you. The cross is God opening his arms saying, I love you this much, so much it hurts. I'm willing to die than live without you. And when you receive Christ into your heart, it will change you. Because when you feel that love from your heavenly father on a personal level, guys, you will find the power to love and forgive even those who wound you. Grace, after all, is forgiving. Guys, this is how love triumphs over evil. 
how mercy overcomes misery. And it's how God brings hope and healing to broken hearts. Let me ask you this tonight. When you look back over your life, over the years, what will people remember about you? What will will they remember? That you were proud or you were humble enough to confess your need for grace? That you're a sinner? That you're part of the problem? That the world's brokenness is actually fed by our brokenness? And I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Have you been humble enough to confess that? Admit that? And if you have, have you passed it on to others? Does God's grace illuminate your life? Is there someone you need to forgive this Christmas? To extend the candlesticks to? The kindness? The radical mercy of God? That's how Valjean's life concludes. With the old con about to die, looking back over the years, as he writes his last confession, he reflects on the grace that redeemed his past and the salvation that secures his home in heaven. shadows I count the hours till I can sleep I dreamed a dream Cosette stood by it made her weep to know I died alone at the end of the day upon this wedding night I pray take these children my lord to I embrace and give them grace, God on high, hear my Monsieur, lay down your burden. 
at the end of my days. You praised my child in love. She's the best of my life. And you with God. Now you Again beside me Now I can die in peace For now my life is blessed On this page I write my last confession Read it well when I at last am sleeping It's a story of those who always loved you Your mother gave her life for you Then gave you to my keeping Come with me Where chains will never bind you All your grief at last, at last, behind you. Lord in heaven, look down on him in mercy. Forgive me all my trespasses and take me to your glory. Take my hand and lead me to salvation. Take my love. For love is everlasting And remember the truth that once was spoken To love another person is to see the face of
will you stand with us? Can we give our thanks to Gary Maurer and Beth Southard for sharing their gifts with us? I love that line. To love another person is to see the face of God. I think Victor Hugo lifted that straight out of the Bible. It's a paraphrase of 1 John 4, 12. Will you read this with me? All our campuses, Liquid Church, let's do this. One big loud voice, read it together. Here we go. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Grace, after all, never forget, grace is forgiving. First, you receive it for yourself from God and then you pass it on to others. Have you done that? If you haven't, I want to give you the chance to do that right now as we pray together. Let's bow our heads, all our campuses. Your heads are bowed. If you are here today, you never have invited Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You never have personally received his love in your heart. You can do that right now. I'm going to pray. With all heads bowed, you can pray these words with me. Just say, Father, I confess my sins and receive your gift of grace. At Christmas, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Jesus, forgive my sins and set me free. I want to live for you. If that's your prayer today, keep your heads down. Would you, just, would you just look up and look at me? Nod. You could just say, me too. That's my prayer today. Father, right now, I thank you for the men and the women who you brought to our church today. We welcome our new brothers and sisters in Christ. We welcome them into your family. And now we celebrate the great hope that we have together in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. All God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.